Well, hello, welcome to another edition of Chucked. We are going to say hello first to all you Chucksters and Chuckettes out there in Chuckville. And glad you're with us today. Austin and I are here on a frigid, but not as frigid as it's going to be Tuesday morning, Austin. Yeah, as we just said, nothing degrees. It's, uh, I keep telling myself numbers are metaphysical. They don't actually exist. So yeah. Yeah. that's how I that's fool right. myself. There you, go. The, you, go. you see those negative seven degrees. See, I, I, c- I couldn't live in this all the time, but I embrace the hardiness of it. Mm-hmm. I love the clarity of the cold air. <clears throat> I just I like winter. I just mm-hmm. do. Just not because... Not because it's as fun as summer. It's not. It's yeah. just it. We. I need winter. I need winter to make me hardy and mm-hmm. you know embrace it. I'm not one of those going to run off and have. I, I will never be a person who will live in the south because it's too cold for me. It's like mm-hmm. no, you know. I doubt that I will anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. who knows? Uh, as I get older, but yeah, today it's 14 when I came in and. Tomorrow it's going to be minus 25 wind chill, it's like 60 on Super Bowl Sunday. And sixty on Super Bowl. That's what I don't like is the fluctuation. I'm with I don't, you. I don't like. I'm with you because I'm. Then I'm gonna get sick on Monday because yeah. you know it's fluctuating yeah. like that. I don't. You know I don't like. Uh, I like keeping my same coat out, the same hanger. Yeah. You know and have you yeah. know not having to decide that and I don't. So I, I don't like the fluctuation. I would I'd be fine with it being miserably cold for two next two months, but yeah. I don't like the up and down. So you got in a dog fight. The other day, I did. I you did. You had a battle my, with your Chihuahua dog, Chihuahua and you have the facial face. laceration to show it. So how? Yeah. So did, it needed did stitches. Pepper. I was gonna. Wow. I was gonna call Chip and my brother-in-law, who's a vet, and say, "Hey, can I just run in real quick and you put a few stitches in my face?" So uh, was it he? He just clawed you, or he? Uh, so our dog, his name is uh, Prince Pepper Honesty McMahon. He, <laughs> he, he goes by Rose. His nickname is Rose. Um, why? Well, why not? And, yeah, because <laughs> that's the kind of family we have. And um, so, anyway, he uh, he sleeps in bed with my wife and I. Uh, he right, he goes underneath I the don't covers. Know how you don't crush him. He yeah, he goes Poor underneath the covers and um, and in the middle center of the bed, in between both of us, uh, near our <laughs> midsection. And uh, he sleeps there all night. And um, a lot. And he's been in this routine lately. What happened was, he's been in this routine lately where. He, we get up, I usually get up around 4.35, my wife gets up around 5.30, and he does not, he stays in bed until about 7.30, and he does not want to be woken up from bed, and he will stay in the covers, and I wish I could show the listeners a picture of him, you know, you go in there, and he's got the cover pulled up to about his neck, you know, laying with a head on the pillow, and uh, sleeping in, Yeah. and so I was, one morning... Uh, a day or two ago, I was going to, uh, I was going to the treadmill and uh, the gym, and uh, went in to say something to McKinsey, and I uh, go in there and, um, and I just go to kind of you know tap him. He thought I was getting him up. He thought I was getting him out of bed, and he just yeah, and just uh, you know not like a super vicious yeah. bite but just, just he just snapped he's feisty with and i mean he's a chihuahua and he's not neutered yet that's that was that's a big thing he it's a, uh, his okay. appointment's coming up so and, and it's really getting to the point where he needs to calm down so so he just snapped and you know ah i kind of it didn't hurt that bad it was just a little scratch yeah. and um i kissed mckinsey on the head and walked out and I, I felt my face felt wet yeah and i saw so i go into the mirror and there's blood all over my shirt oh, my. there's blood in the bed and I have blood just running down my face, and I look in the mirror, I clean it off, I look in the mirror, and I have this, um, this gash in my cheek. Yeah. And, 
and it's, it was really, really deep. I mean, like I opened, you know, it was very crude looking. I opened it up oh. and I mean, it was really deep. Uh, I could feel it with my tongue on the inside almost, you know, just how thin it was. And so um, <laughs> I stuffed some new skin in there, some um, of that clear stuff, you know, and and went to five seasons. Yeah. So it, I think it needed stitches. Yeah. yeah. Well, it looked like it was such a big mark. It looked like with the with the treatment you had on it, it looked like you'd dribbled a chocolate-covered Bill's Donut or something on mm-hmm. your chin. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it, you know, on, your, on the side uh, of your It doesn't look chin. good. Yeah, I, that stuff dries Looks on it. Looks better today, though. Yeah, I tried to keep it clean. So who's your pick Sunday and why? I mean, if I had to, if I had to bet my house on it, I'd bet the Patriots absolutely. Um, I'm definitely pulling for the Rams. Yeah, um, I'm, I've always been yeah. a Rams fan. So. I don't. I bet if you know if the Patriots win, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. 20 years from now, I lived. I, I got to observe Brady and Belichick. That's great. I love that. So yeah, I'm rooting for the the Rams. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, because you know I like to see something new. I like I like the Rams. I don't know about McVeigh, but uh, I like Goff, I like Gurley, I like their team. And um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of on. I'm not as interested as I would be if it was the Rams and the Chiefs. I know that, I, would, that would have just yeah, been that on been that tra- you know it would have been a track meet and an indoor yeah. turf yeah. Re- so, a rematch of the best greatest. game of the year. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I could go 35-31 Rams. I guess. Okay. That's. I'm going to go high scoring too, and I I think one of the reasons is it's going to be tough to stop Brady because his quick release, quick get the ball out of the pocket, mm-hmm. neutralizes the, the the real Rams strength on defense, and that's Aaron Donald, who's mm-hmm. a freak. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, you're talking about consume. one of the best all time. Yeah, we're seeing one of the best all time. Well, Ingram and uh, and Bosa couldn't do anything. Not that yeah, the best yeah, all time, exactly. But, but they they, they totally just neutralized them and. I got to figure Wayne Phillips, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, is going to bring something different. Mm-hmm. But I'm not hopeful. So he's not going to sit in his own. No, <laughs> like no. I just think it. I think the Patriots will stop the Rams one more time than mm. than the Rams stop the Patriots. Mm. I really do. And so yeah, I'm going 38, 33 type thing. Just similar, not to be the same as yours, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Patriots and uh, hoping for the Rams. I love the Rams. I was always. I wish they were wearing their all whites and blues. You know, yeah. they won't back. be. They're gonna wear the yellow and blues. Are they? Yeah, the the seventies mm. and eighties. But yeah, I'm a sixties and early seventies guy. So yeah. I wish they were wearing the whites and the blues, but uh, they're not. Mm. Now we're gonna move to something serious, and it's just, um, you know, it's. I'm stunned. I'm still stunned. Uh, I'm going to be talking to some extent about this issue in the next number of weeks. But uh, last week, the New York State Legislature affirmed, basically in their view, Cuomo said they affirmed Roe versus Wade is all they did. It's all they did. Which in essence is all they did, which allows abortion essentially for any reason, if it has to do with the emotional, mental, physical there's enough uh, ambiguity around it. Yeah, there is. There's enough ambiguity around it to where it could justify and doesn't even need a professional. Uh, there's enough ambiguity around those constraints. It doesn't even require a professional up to the moment of birth. And uh, I'm I'm stunned. You know, I, I uh, we look back at we look back at Rome discarding babies in the dump because they were girls, and we are horrified by that. Well, they didn't think there was anything wrong with it then, right? Mm-hmm. They just weren't as useful. So they, they, they weren't as useful, mm-hmm. you know? And 
the issue of sovereignty, uh, I understand, you know, and I, I try, I really do try to understand the issue of sovereignty of a woman's body. And I'm being a man, the, as I talk about this in the next few weeks, I want to be, I mean, we're, we're going to approach it from the standpoint of love, love, you know, trying to love women who've had abortions and who are thinking about having abortions, as we've said, who are going to go out and have an abortion that day, still love them. Um, but I'm, I'm nauseous from it still. Um, give me your take. Uh, you know, in a state where, as we as as now has been pretty well publicized, you can't kill a turtle egg. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. kill a turtle egg in a state where you can you can't lethally inject convicted murderers. Mm-hmm. You can lethally inject. Yes, that, that a baby. That I mean, baby would just, be better off had it committed homicide. Exactly. Than it's, have uh, the potential uh, of being born. Just, so you know, you think. I mean, I, 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 I don't. You know, I tweeted out last week Isaiah five twenty. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute light for darkness and darkness for light. That what can happen with man when he gets disconnected from God is is he can he no longer can tell up from down. He no longer can tell you know, with clarity, what, what is the supreme value here? Mm-hmm. What, what value is the supreme value? And the value of the sovereignty of God and life and death. And I mean, this is why I'm against the death penalty. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't. It's not man's job to take a it's life. It's not our like job, that. you know. I, and I, I always think it's honestly contradictory for people to be for the death penalty and against abortion. The issue is one of sovereignty. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, even with uh, end of life issues, the issue of sovereignty, we got to tread into those waters very carefully, very mm. carefully. So, give me your take on it. Um, I, I yeah, I, I, at first when that happened that day, I was meeting with a set of parents who was whose funeral I'm doing today, who of their son. And so that was, so when I, when I heard that news, it really just hit me hard that afternoon. I was sitting in my office at lunch, and I just it just really made me. It was just really overwhelmingly sad and confusing because I'm here. I'm going to meet with a mom whose son died, you know, and uh, at a young age, and it was just you know, this is and you and seeing the, the 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 video of the you know them cheering and, and whatnot. Um, I think the first. Like at a at a baseline level, it makes me, you know, the, you know, if it's a issue of morality, the when when you don't when you're not clear on what your your foundation is, it's right. just really it gets real right. wobbly. So, so it's like being asked about same sex marriage, you know, to someone who was for it and someone and maybe someone like like myself. If you don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. We can't have that discussion to really. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we can't have that discussion because all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. My foundation is totally different. Yeah, yeah. Your, your clock is set to a, to three o'clock. My clock's set to two o'clock, and we're trying to get to the same place at the same time. Yeah, which we're not. We're never going to get there because where we're operating from is absolutely different. So, not to get that I, that I believe in total positivism, positivism, where you do with everything, it has to be, it has to be. Uh, it's only true unless it can be observed through science and then proven true but but not to the uh, further extent of, of relativism where it's just it's just too, we can make up whatever we want there is some verification of what does the soul tell you when exploring truth 
propositionally experience this, set it before you, try it. What do you feel like? And so um, I think when, when you believe in someone that resurrected from the dead, that, has, that treats life so sacred, people from all walks of life, people from, who have done wrong and, and those who are victims and those who are perpetrators and, 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 and treated them all as sacred, uh, it's, it's, that's the foundation and, and I, and it can't just be, um, just, you know, either one extreme or the other of, yeah. of, uh, it's, it's only science or it's only a matter of one's opinion. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's a 51% morality at that point. So what, what does the majority say mm-hmm. is, is our moral basis. And, um, Historically, when we look at you know Germany, they the Nazis thought they were right. They didn't do it because they considered themselves evil. Mm-hmm. They thought they were doing the world a favor. They thought they were certainly establishing the motherland in its preeminence, but they actually thought they were doing the right thing, purging humanity of this evil presence that corrupted economies and caused people to be poor and the mm-hmm. Jewish race and. Which I think that shows. I think that shows that just because you can rationalize something does not mean you justify. That's right. Something. That's exactly right. Right. I mean, That's you know, right. Stalin, Mao, and Hitler—all of them could justify their their methods mm-hmm. of governing people. Right. I, mean, I can justify eating a large pizza pizza at one sitting, but that does not make it. That's right. Justifiably, pragmatism good for me. is really dangerous because mm-hmm. it's the end justifies the means. Mm-hmm. Um, and. In their view, they were creating utopia, mm-hmm. no, and, or a supreme race, etc. And uh, I do think this for our listeners. Uh, I realize we tread into waters in our podcasts that are pretty deep waters sometimes, as we are today. And I would, you know, I'm a regular listener to Lila Rose. I'm a regular follower of hers. She's probably the preeminent pro-life activist. Today, I love her. I love her uh, candor with her. Gent- she's not. She doesn't shame, but she has. Can- she's very candid, and of course, her live action organization. And I do think this. Uh, once you see actually what happens in an abortion, once you see the reality, and I know statistics lie and liars use you know, liars figure and figures lie. Uh, but boy, once you see the statistics on the reality of a threat to a woman's life and the, the, the reality of, of, you know, the situation of rape and how that often ends up, you know, how often that actually does end up in pregnancy and on and on and on, um, we, we are really doing what we do all so often with legislation, just a sweeping statement of decision that is meant to cure in and in, 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 you know relative to that a very minute reality and um hmm. you know i i uh i don't know you know i'm i'm grieving it i i i'm i i am now to the point where who was it uh was 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 it MLK who said, you know, to stay silent about evil is to be a part of the evil. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm I'm getting to the point where, and I suppose this podcast today is is a is a part of it. I'm getting to the point where, you know, I have to make sure I speak up or I can't live with myself. Mm-hmm. But I want to do it in a way that fits me, and I'm not I'm not by I I believe in Jesus. His strategy was micro revolution, change the person who changes the person who changes the person. He wasn't. He didn't go around in militants and say, Roman slavery that enslaved six million people is wrong. Mm-hmm. What, did, what, did, what, what did his most vocal followers say? Slaves, obey your masters with respect and fear. Masters, treat your slaves with respect. By no means was Paul justifying slavery there. But what he was saying was, we are going to be the leaven that leavens the whole dough we're going to change this from the inside out, and eventually that happened. And today, we wouldn't have a value of women and poor and orphans without this movement of Jesus that just valued life crazily relative to its culture. N.T. Wright makes a great point of a take on uh, evangelism and post-evangelical culture that we are living in today, particularly in the West, and and, and looking at that with the first and maybe second century um, Christianity and what the difference was in this and and evangelical the evangelical movement in, in the West has all been has all been oral it's all been what's spoken and as you're saying it the in first and second century it was all it was all based on behavior it was hey so and so is not coming to the 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 festival of Apollos or so and so is not doing this so and so is not doing that. They're acting different, and evangelism was based was was first based on action, then on proclamation. Yeah, so they didn't have bumper stickers that said "Follow me to the catacombs." I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't call themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. The world did. You must be one of those little Christ. Mm-hmm. You take care of orphans. You take care of widows. You take care of the poor. You must be one of those little Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the. I think the thing, the thing that really did it for me that made this a really sad issue and, and get really involved, I mean, I think one's more personal, the side of it, private side of it, but the other side of it is um, I, feel, I feel sad for the infants, obviously. I don't think that needs to be qualified. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's there. But I feel hopeful for that because I know what, I know, I know the, I know I know Mark nine and ten, and I know I know, you know I know millstones. I know, I know Christ gathering the, the children to come to Him. So I, I, I you know as part of me feels, you know that's that's that that's there. I can I can kind of reconcile with that. Uh, in my as far reconcile with my sadness in, in that. The side of it is the is the fathers and mothers never to be those who execute the abortion. I read a report. Uh, or an essay of sorts a year or so ago. And it was really what made me uh, have my heart feel challenged about the whole thing and, and feel affected by it. And it was uh, written by a woman who had had an abortion 20, 30 years ago. And uh, it's just ruined her life. I mean, I mean, the tens of thousands of dollars in therapy she spent, the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the inability to have relationships because she can't love herself first. And just, I mean, just absolutely ruined by this decision she made when she was young, when she really didn't know what she was doing. And um, that, and so the shame and guilt that those mothers and fathers feel, 
I think that's the, that's that's the side of it that when I see those politicians cheering in that room, they're che- and they're, they're, it's the infants. Yes, that's sad. But I know I know how my Lord feels about them and what and they're safe now, and, and I know they're they're safer than they ever will be. It's the it's those it's those mothers and fathers that will never forgive themselves, and then and may possibly never seek someone who who forgave them on a cross. Mm-hmm. It's though it's, it's that shame that keeps us from that. It's a savior. it's a penal psychological hell forever yeah. into eternity that, that they that that they did not know what they were doing, and so it's it's that that I think brought so much sadness too that day of just all these uh, men and women out there that will condemn themselves for for. Um, forever that that's that that really hits hard yeah it does um you know i've had i've been doing ministry for a long time and uh too many times i've sat on the other side of the desk from men who paid for abortions who persuaded their girlfriend to have an abortion and uh, more so for me, because men, I, I've counseled men more mm-hmm. than women. And then, of course, women who've had them. And I know the mantra tends to be, well, they've been conditioned to feel shame. No. No. Some of them had religious guilt heaped on them. But many of them, were they, was, they, they didn't walk with God. They, they didn't. It wasn't like they were conditioned because of their nurturing envi- lack of nurturing environment, environment and religion to, to feel guilt and shame. It was an intrinsic sense of disconnection, which is what shame is. It's a disconnection. I have disconnected myself hmm. from a reality that's deeper than the physical. Hmm. And when that happens, the soul gets disconnected from itself. So disintegrated, you know, you, the int- integer is one integrity is being one you're not one person here so the the, the person gets um, disintegrated fractured from themselves and uh you know i've just seen it and uh i'm i guess you know here's the thing too is is so many of these issues is are driven by people i'm not going to take my cue from mhm you know i i just i think so often the church gets wagged tail of the church sometimes gets wagged by the dog of Hollywood and Washington DC and like are are you sure you want to date that dog are you mm-hmm. sure you want to let that be the thing that wags your views I, I i just i'm not i'm not going to let them determine that i think i uh i i'm with you i've 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 seen the results of this and I and I think also here's the other thing too is we're gonna wrap it up, but because today is a day you know there's time to laugh and a time to cry and and there's this we're in a period it's okay to mourn this and and if our mourning moves us to action, but the it's connect I do think it's connected to a Darwinian view that we if we're just the latest model of the ape, which is the perspective in one sense that Solomon had when he wrote Ecclesiastes he wrote in his vernacular under the sun he was seeing life without god when he wrote that which is just amazing it's first nihilistic literature it is it really mm-hmm. is just utter utter nihilism other existential crisis of i'm in a room 
that's five feet high and I'm six feet tall. I'm just like, I'm just, it's life's coming down on me. Right. And he said, isn't an infant that dies better than the one who lives? You know, he said mm-hmm. that, that, that was the perspective of someone who, especially in that time, they didn't believe in an afterlife. They only believed in Sheol with place of the dead. But if all we are is matter, and after we die, we're blanked out. I mean, we're just, it's like we never lived. Then what does it matter that if we die in the womb? And I think that's the unspoken value is, you know, are we made in the image of God or not? What's your, that's what, what's your foundation? What are you coming from? Mm, that, what's your the foundation? irony in it all to me is that this, you know, so many that advocate for pro-choice, they use the advocation of respect and dignity for race, sex, and gender as a prop within their political agenda. And um, it's so, it's, 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 I just, it's just, it's so hard to have to treat those part those aspects of life sacred race gender sex mm-hmm. when you're just when 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 there's another one that when if it suits your advantage you just you know it's 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 not uh, that's that's I know, the irony because of it, it all it, it really is because so how, how will we ever because have why why should i value you know to to use the the delineation because we're you know often told we're just the latest model of the ape well why should i value a gorilla over a chimpanzee mm-hmm. oh because you say so What's the purpose? What's the foundation of that? So let me close again. Here's the old story. I think we shared this a while back, but this is the issue of the jewelry store owner and the factory worker. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. So the guy every day, the factory store foreman, would set his watch by the clock he saw in the jewelry store on his way to the factory every day. And, one, and he would blow the noon whistle based on that setting. He would hit, boom, noon, it's noon. Blow the noon whistle. One day his workers said, your clock's late. You're blowing, the clock, you're blowing the noon whistle late. He walks back home that day, goes by, stops in the jewelry store, and says to the jewelry store owner, um, uh, your, your clock's off. And the jewelry store owner says, oh, no, it can't be. I set it every day by the noon whistle at the factory. And that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This, the, the, the utter relativism. Mm-hmm is now we have a digression of, of pragma, uh, into pragmatism, right? Mm-hmm. And it leads to a devaluation of life that has end-of-life issues, it has beginning-of-life issues, it has, it has death sentence. It has, it has issues for all of life. And, uh, I, do want, I do want to say something. I'm trying to think through, and I, don't, I, don't, I won't be able to explain it very well because I'm, I'm trying to understand it more and more to a way that affects me and affects my faith and also maybe can help be helpful for others uh, at the end. But that is understanding the atonement and the death of Jesus and what that means, you know, at, a, at, a, at a, as a, much depth as I can. Romans 5, 7, and 8 has done that for me. And so in, th- in thinking about my heart hurting for the men and women who have, who have, who have gone w- through with abortions and paid for them or gone through with them and the life that they're living there, a lot of people have problems with, with maybe this idea of an atonement that for God so hated the world that he killed his one and only son, that humanity was so rotten and so terrible. God just pitied us, and, and, uh, but he didn't love us quite enough to go and do the job himself, so he sent his son to do his dirty work, and that is not it at all. Um, 
And that is starting with this idea that Christ didn't, maybe didn't necessarily, I'm going out on a limb here. Christ didn't necessarily just die for our sins. And that we were so pitiful that he just died for our sins. Christ's atoning death swallowed up death itself. Christ's atoning death was a victory over sin and darkness, that which was the perpetrator over the victim that is humanity as a result of Adam's fallenness in a fallen world. By one then, man you were lost, by one man you were saved. Yes, the yeah. new creation. And, and so in, 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 in 5, 7, and 8, culminating, 7 is a difficult chapter, but when you get to five, through 5, 7, and 8 and you get to 8, there is no shame and condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. God has condemned darkness. He has condemned sin. As, as, as a result of the method, his methods of condemning sin, and when we see God as judgment and Christ as judgment, that doesn't mean he's gonna, he's, gonna think, he's gonna flip back through the Rolodex of everything bad you've done in your life and judge you for it necessarily. It's, he is the judge of that which has been the perpetrator of something he loved very much, which is humanity and his creation. And so God condemned death. He swallowed it up in his victory. As a result of that, you have been forgiven of your sins because death right. holds no power. Right. Christ did not just merely come and forgive you because you were just a miserable piece of shit that had abortions. That's not at all. Yeah. Christ had the great victory. Where death is your, was your victory, where is your sting? It's been swallowed up. As a result of that, you are now free because there is no shame and condemnation. So if there's anyone, maybe I don't know if there's anyone listening that has had an abortion or has gone through with it or has done something that is that they cannot let go of and that and, and you and you and you approach the cross with this, you still approach the cross with this twisted guilt and shame, even though, yes, it's great you're approaching the cross, but you're approaching mm -hmm. it still with this, I'm, I need forgiveness. For such a worm as I, yeah. right, the old hymn That's says. not how the atonement is, not, is going. Mm -hmm. it's, it's death has, there, there has been a great swallowed victory. Swallowed up in victory. That's right. Death has been swallowed up. And it's interesting. We're just going to stop there because healing will happen if you've been responsible for an abortion, when your body believes Romans 8.1. Not you're just your mind. Your mind says, okay, I believe that. I believe scripture's true. But when your body believes it and you think of your abortion and you say, I have no condemnation in my life because Christ absorbed that into himself. By faith, I trust that. That's when you'll have healing from it. And we have hundreds of people in our church like that who have then taken their pain, and in grace, now they're healing agents to other people who have had abortions or have been responsible for abortions. We're glad you listened to us today. We realized today was much heavier subject matter than normal, but it is something uh, that you Chucksters and Chuckettes get. That's what's on our heart, what's on our mind. And until next time on Chuck, I am Charles Braxton, and this is Austin Charles. Mm -hmm.